Good morning, folks. It's Palm Sunday. Yes, it is Sunday. Uh, it's getting really disorientating. I don't know about you, but all the days are really starting to blur together. It feels like that week between Christmas and New Year, but it's felt like that for a couple of weeks now. So I hope that you're doing well. I hope you're you're keeping well and, and staying safe. Um, it is Sunday and we've got a, a worship playlist as well on the YouTube channel as well. The link will be just below the screen here hopefully for you and, and you can watch um, either some of the songs now and then come back to the message or, or, or at the end of uh, the, the message. Uh, but before we do that, let's just start our time together in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to pray for each and everyone watching this. For those in our church who are really missing being in your house today, Lord, I know I I miss it. I, I miss worshipping you uh, with uh, the rest of the church family and uh, our musicians leading us in songs of victory. Lord, you are our living hope. You are our cornerstone. You are the Lion of Judah. Father, I would pray that you'd help us to praise you in our homes with our spouses, with our children. Uh, Lord, that our homes would reverberate with songs of your goodness and love and sovereign power. Lord, we would pray too for those who are struggling with cabin fever, struggling with not being able to get out and about. And yet, Lord, we, we pray too for those who, whose lives are busier than they normally are, for those trying to be full-time parents, full-time teachers and work from home as well, Lord. Lord, in these moments, help us to choose love, help us to choose laughter over arguing and stress, to choose closeness over uh, impatience. Father, for those on the front lines at the minute, we whether it's the NHS or they're doing deliveries or they are in uh, petrol stations or, or shops, Lord, we thank you for their commitment. Lord, we pray that you keep them safe. Father, for those uh, who need food banks, Lord, who need um, supplements to their income. Lord, prove yourself to be the giver of good gifts. Show yourself to be sufficient in every trial. Lord, for we know you are. Lord, we know that there is no lack in you. Lord, for our missionaries relying on people to maintain their giving. For children frozen in foster care systems and court cases. For people who have received letters who now have to self-isolate for three months. Lord, may they find that in you they have all sufficiency in all things at all times to abound even in every good work. And so, Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. And so, as we get into the study, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 19. We're going to the second half of that uh, study that we started on Wednesday or when we looked at the case and the parable of the 10 minus. Now, not the guys from Chile who got stuck there, miners, but 10 minas or 10 pounds of silver. And when we see the big picture of this chapter, we see that Luke's showing us the biggest problem Christ faced was that people who he came to save didn't really see him as he truly was. They had all these kinds of ideas of what kind of a messiah he would be, mainly that he'd be a political one, one who would destroy the Romans and establish a great Jewish kingdom. But what they didn't realise was that, yes, Christ will come to reign, but that's his second coming. Here in the first time round, it was the lamb, he would be the Lamb of God who would die to take away the sins of the world. He was the one who would come to love the lost traitors and work for the, who worked for the Romans and bring them back to the fold to restore, not to destroy. 
He's the Messiah who will reward faithful servants when he comes the second time. When he comes the first time, it, it's to commission us as the church to, do, to be faithful servants. But as we come to the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, they'll cheer him as king, only to say to Caesar later on, we have no king but Caesar. This crowd still haven't grasped who he really is. And this morning we see that it was the Messiah, not interested in political revolution, but an invitation to experience peace. So let's read verse 28. After telling the story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As they came to the town of Bethphage, which is probably the hardest uh, town in the Bible to say. Try saying Bethphage ten times fast. But And uh, to Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks, why are we untying the coat? Just say the Lord needs it. Now, I don't think that's a command that you can kind of just lift out of the Bible and, and apply it. I'm all for quoting scripture, but this one's a specific one in the once in the moment sort of thing. So don't be out in your daily walk and see a new Ferrari and think, okay, I'm having that. And whenever the owner comes out and says, what are you doing? It's okay. The, the, the Lord needs it. So I have it. Oh, that's no problem here. Here's the keys. Okay. Because that's, it's an unusual part of the story, but the disciples have learned by now not to argue with Jesus when it comes to unusual facts. He says, I'll throw your nets out. You'll catch fish. Turns out, yeah. Get out of the boat. You'll not drown in the storm. Turns out, yeah. Uh, go catch a fish. When The first fish that you catch will uh, open its mouth. You'll find a coin. It'll be exactly enough to pay the taxes. Okay, yeah. These men are finally beginning to learn that when Jesus says things are going to go a certain way, to accept that this is how it's going to go. You can trust the word of the Lord. Verse 32. So they went and found the coat, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked, why are you untying this coat? Sure enough, just as Jesus had said. And the disciples simply replied, well, the Lord needs it. So they brought the coat to Jesus and threw his garments over it for him to ride on. Jesus on a donkey doesn't sound very impressive, does it? But you need to know that this is a sign of royalty. First Kings chapter one, King Solomon sat on the donkey of King David when he was anointed to be king over Israel. So to be presented on a donkey was meant that a king was being anointed. A king was coming in a time of peace and it fulfilled a prophecy as well. Zechariah 9 verse 9. Behold Israel, your king comes to you lowly and having salvation on a donkey. That's Zechariah 9 verse 9. This should have tipped them all off. Not ticked them off. It ticked them off, but it should have tipped them off. He's fulfilling the prophecy, but they didn't see it. Verse 36, so as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. A symbol of receiving royalty. It looks like some were, were getting it. It's the only time Christ allowed people to celebrate him like this. Remember after he fed the 5,000, people wanted to crown him king and he disappeared. John tells us that because it was because his hour had not yet come, but now it had. And it's to fulfill the prophecy. If you're standing up at the temple, you can, uh, at the Temple Mount, you can look the road that Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley and up the Temple Mount. And you could see people joining in. But again, how many people get that? It's the Messiah who's going to come and die so other people can have everlasting life. Maybe not all of them, maybe very few of them. They're saying the right things, but maybe some just got caught up in the moment. 
or others are there for their own reasons, that it was a political messiah, maybe. But instead of pushing on in the text right now, can I spend some time focusing on the donkey? G.K. Chesterton wrote a little poem about the donkey. It goes like this. When fishes flew and forests walk and figs grew upon a thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening crime, ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody of all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth of ancient crooked will, star of scourge deride me, I'm dumb, but I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, when far fierce are and sweet, when there were shouts about my ears and palms beneath my feet. I love the way he just captures the moment of this. I think we can learn more from the donkey than the people, to be honest with you. We've said already Jesus used the donkey because of the prophecy in Zechariah, a king coming in peace. But why did he use the donkey? It's the same reason that he wants to use you and he wants to use me in this world. He doesn't open up the sky and peer in uh, or, or, or make a big procession. He came to a manger in Bethlehem with angels just telling some shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on the earth, peace. Christ has always been the humble one who came to bring peace and we're called to share that message of peace. You see, most people don't have real deep lasting peace they have a moment or two certainly when they're chilled and relaxed but we all have this battle in us in our hearts we're at war with god we choose our way over the king's way that's that's rebellion we sit on the throne of our hearts instead of the king that's treason so our sin puts us at war with the king of the universe but he comes to make peace sending christ as an intermediary to make a way through the cross where our rebellion is punished the punishment goes to him and instead of the enemies we become children sons and daughters of the king romans 5 says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ listen ladies if you're saved you're a princess, a princess of heaven. Lads, you're royalty. We are children of the king. Not because we're great, but because the king decided to adopt us rather than destroy us. What a king. So lift up your weary heads. Rejoice in the great mercy and kindness of God today. And, and just like this donkey then, we are called to humbly carry the king to the people that need him most. Even if they don't get it, even if they come for the wrong reasons, our call regardless is to carry the king, to carry his message of peace. Francis of Assisi said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. What a prayer to be used by God. So lesson one, Jesus needed the donkey to share the message of peace. The next lesson is the easiest. Before Jesus could use him, this donkey had to be untied. You see, the donkey was unbroken, unridden, unsuitable to be used by anyone. That's why he was tied up. Donkeys are slightly different from horses in that respect. You don't have to tie it up. Uh, you don't have to train. Um, sorry, you don't need to tie up trained donkeys. It's not their nature to stray when they're trained. But for this donkey to go and carry Christ, he needed to be untied. It's a symbolic picture that the donkey needed to change from the inside. He was unruly, therefore he had to be chained. But he was needed, so he had to be untied. 
So he needs to change. Now I could spend a while on this one, but let me just ask the question, is there something holding you back from carrying this message of peace for the king? You can't follow after him if you're still chained. You can't bring a message of peace to the world if you're chained, screaming that you're still unruly and still untrained and still not at peace even in yourself. You can't put others down all in the name of banter or strut around acting like the big lad or the alpha. When you're called to humbly serve, you can't be in the middle of gossip and rumours whenever you're called to sow peace. For this donkey, it was his untrained nature that had him chained. He had a problem with authority. He didn't want anyone to saddle him. Let's face the truth. We are people, a society that have problems with authority. There are folks who have a hard time being told that they have to do something. Whether it's parents, whether it's bosses, they have a hard time. The fact is, there's always going to be someone calling the shots over us. A big part of the problem with this virus is that people don't like being told that they have to stay indoors. They think that those rules don't apply for them. It's okay for the kids to go out in the street playing football or it's okay for their kids to go play uh, to um, do sports or, or go see their boyfriend, go see their girlfriend or karaoke parties and you think, how selfish, how stupid do you have to be? They have to be forced to comply. They have to be chained because they can't accept someone else's authority. Folks, God cannot use you until you are untied. But once that dunk is untied, he was a transformed creature. In Mark 11, in telling the story, Mark lets us know that Jesus was going to send the donkey back to the man who lent him it in the first place. But when that donkey came back, it was better than when it first left. When it left, it was unbroken and untried, but when it came home, it was ready for the saddle, ready to be used. That's what the Lord does. He takes what we give him and he gives it back better than whenever we first had it. You give him an Abram, a lost pagan, He'll give you an Abraham, a mighty man of faith. You give him a, a Jacob, a schemer, a trickster, a deceiver. He'll give you back an Israel, a prince of God. Give him a Saul of Tarsus, a mean, cruel, vindictive man. He'll give you back a Paul, a mighty apostle of God. Give him a Simon, a weak, indecisive man. He'll give you a Peter, a rock that you can build on. Give him you. Your broken, skin-scarred, battered-up, bruised life. He'll give you back a new start, a new life, a life to the full and a home in heaven. Maybe there's a decision for you to make then this morning. Christ is saying, can I untie you? Can I free you? Can I transform you and use you? What's your answer going to be? No, I'd rather still be chained, thanks. No, I'd still rather have a life with rebellion against authority. Or would you say, yes. I'm tired of these chains. I'm tired of nothing changing. I am choosing to be untied and to be used by God. So donkey lesson number one. The job of the donkey is to carry the king. The message of peace to the people who need it. Donkey lesson number two. For that to happen, the donkey has to be untied. For that to happen, we need to put ourselves into the hands of God and let him be our authority. Donkey lesson number three. The donkey's not the star of the show. No one would left Jerusalem that day thinking, wow, wasn't it amazing to see that donkey? Oh, that was just the greatest donkey I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes, the donkey was there and people sang in his direction. Yes, the donkey was the one walking on the branches and the clothes. But no one reads this passage thinking that they were being directed at the animal. The donkey was in the middle of it, but the donkey wasn't the focus of it. 
I'm jealous of this donkey in many ways. I want to model my life on this donkey. Why? Because I want to be used by God. I, I want to be unchained from the things that hold me back, whatever they may be. So I can use my life to lift Christ up so others might worship him and celebrate him and make him their king. And I know I'm not going to be the star of my own life. I'm resolved to put God at the centre of it and making him famous among people. I don't want to be the focus. But if your testimony, if your story is about the things that you have done, the things that you have got about your past and your future, you're telling the story wrong. It's about the king. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. For an animal so small, for an animal whose role was so insignificant, it sure has a lot to teach us about service. The Lord could save sinners and accomplish his work on earth just fine without us, I'm sure. Yet he chooses to use frail people like myself for his glory. People like you for his glory. When we're like this donkey, he can use each one of us. Being a donkey isn't so bad when Jesus is your master. Look at what this donkey did. He got to carry the king of glory into Jerusalem. He got to be the one through whom prophecies were filled. The one through whom peace was proclaimed. That definitely beats staying tied up. Now I should finish my message here. But let me just push on to a couple more verses. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him. Teacher rebuke your disciples. Make them stop doing this. He answered, I tell you, if these were sound, the very stones would cry out. Be a first class rock concert. When he drew near and saw the city, though Jesus wept over it, saying, What would, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace? But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave you one stone upon the other in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, I read this somewhere and I want to share the general points. It's quite heavy, so I've tried to distill it as best as I can. Um, they say that the day that this happened in our calendar was the 6th of April, AD 32, which is going to be tomorrow, Monday. Tomorrow is going to be the 6th of April. And this is the day that it happened. The Jewish calendar is the 10th of Nisan. Now, not the people who make cars, uh, the month, 10th day of the month of Nisan. It was the day that the Lamb was chosen for Passover. Now, mark that in your mind, the 6th of April, 32 AD. So here's what I read because I read because it appears that Christ now is referencing the, the prophecy in Daniel 9. Stick with me because if you do, it's going to blow your mind, okay? I'm simplifying as best as I can. I'm reading from the New Living here. Daniel 9 says this. Now, listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will re be rebuilt with streets and strong defences despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. So that prophecy in Daniel and what we just read and look at a guy who is the head of the Scotland Yard Criminal Division, Sir Robert Anderson, interested in Bible prophecy. He wrote a book called The Coming Prince where he uh, mathematically works it all out. Now, it's very mad heavy. It's beyond me. 
but apparently it's they tell me it's a masterpiece he got knighted for for writing this book and he calculates the start and the ends of these dates in, in daniel now he finds the start date easily enough in babylonian history the book of nehemiah helps uh, the date is the 14th of march 445 bc in our calendar so he finds the date the edict when jerusalem should be built and inhabited so he goes okay so if i count forward then from march 14th 445 bc i should be able to come to the messiah because that's what it says in daniel so he calculates it but he was ingenious enough not to use our julian calendar but the babylonian calendar which isn't based on 365 days a year but a lunar year which is 360 days he adds on the leap years and blah, 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 etc, etc, etc. It's all in the book if you're interested. But he comes up with an exact date. He says all those weeks comes to 483 years. And in the Babylonian calendar, that's 173,880 days. So he says, okay, if I count from March 14th, 445 BC, I should find something significant happen. So he counts 173,880 days and he ends up on April the 6th. AD 32 and I just gave you that date the 10th of Nisan the day when Jesus said bring me the donkey I'm going to be publicly presented to the nation if you would only have known this day you didn't know the time of your visitation the day the Passover lamb was selected the day Daniel told them would come the day that Zechariah 9 told them would come was the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey he came as king he came to be selected as the lamb of God who take away the sin of the world and he holds them accountable at the end of this chapter to be good students of prophetic scripture and know the Messiah had come that's why we have to be good students of scripture that's why he weeps over Jerusalem in verse 41. They had been told he would come and they simply weren't ready. They did not know the time of their visitation. This chapter closes with Jesus cleansing the temple and his and this forces the Pharisees to move up their schedule for him. They'd hoped to get the holiday of Passover over first and deal with Jesus, but such is the display that Jesus made, they have to respond. So on this day, the Lamb was chosen for sacrifice but this passover it was going to be the lamb of god who would be slain for all this is so awesome when you see it all mapped out god keeps his promises his word has never failed you can trust him with your life when you put it in his hands submit to him this morning give up your chains for him and he can set you free in a way you can only imagine Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for how something as simple as a donkey can teach us lessons, and yet something that is more complicated, like the, the years of Daniel, can also just point to you. Lord, you, you speak this on so many different levels. Lord, for those who struggle to follow it, for those who are looking for something deeper, Lord, you, you meet all our needs. You're sufficient for each one of us. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can look at Scripture and see how you are sovereign over it all. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by chance. Lord, you had appointed this day long before it ever happened. And so, Lord, and even in these difficult times, in these days where we might struggle to cope, not knowing what's happening or not knowing how long, Lord, we thank you that we can come to one who can appoint the days long in advance and know exactly what they hold know exactly what they contain. Lord, we thank you. Help us to submit to you. Help us to follow you as we enter into Easter week. And we ask this in your name. Amen.